and welcome to episode six of the Skycast, presented by Locked On Women's Basketball and High Post Hoops. I'm your host, Nick Niendorf, here to talk to you about all things Chicago Sky. I'm recording this episode on Wednesday, July 17th at 9 p.m. after having just watched the Sky's game against the Atlanta Dream earlier this morning at 11 a.m. And today we're going to jump around quite a bit. I want to talk about Allie Quigley and her role within the offense, Diamond to Shield's growth as well as some of her erratic play, uh, Kalia Copper's emergence as of late and what she means to this team, Gabby Williams and her shooting and overall contributions to the offense, and, and what her position on the team looks like moving forward. And I'm also going to touch just briefly on Jameera Faulkner, who made her first real debut in this morning's game, her first real minutes of the season. Now, before we begin, make sure you're following us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB and at High Post Hoops for 24-7 coverage of women's basketball. And if you're interested in having any comments or questions answered on the pod, shoot me an email at the skycastpodcast at gmail.com or feel free to send me a message on Twitter at Neendorf21. Now, as it stands here tonight, the Chicago Sky sit in the seventh spot just behind the Minnesota Lynx, who just lost the Seattle Storm. The Lynx and the Sky both share a 10-8 record, but the Lynx have the season series over the Sky. But we're not here to talk about the rest of the league's playoff hopes. We're here to talk about the Midwest favorite team. And man, is there a lot to talk about with this Sky team. Since we last spoke... The Sky dropped a game to the Lynx on Wednesday, July 10th, but then rattled off three straight wins, including the win this morning against the Atlanta Dream, that concluded in just an awesome buzzer beater off a ridiculous feed from Courtney Vandersloot by Stephanie Dolson with 2.5 seconds left on the clock afterwards. The Sky, of course, had come back from a 10-point deficit, and as with many Sky wins and the broadcast booth made note of this, but as with many Sky wins, it was ugly, but a win's a win. And that has really kind of been the story of a lot of Sky games this season. They're often ugly. There's often stretches where the Sky play some really bad basketball. Coach Wade is absolutely bound to drop some expletives on the sideline. You're going to see players get frustrated, but then they can pull together just these brilliant moments in succession and these awesome defensive stops and great ball movement, and they just look like such a legit team for those stretches, and they get themselves back in the games, or they get themselves ahead, and they're able to pull out these really gritty wins. This isn't this isn't the free-flowing, high-shooting team that I had expected in the beginning of the season. This team is much grittier than I thought. They still have their lapses on defense. They have a lot of lapses on defense, but they are able to kind of lock in, lock down, and and play tough basketball, which was not something I necessarily expected from the Sky this year, considering the new offensive style that was coming in. But really, when you think about it, with players like Courtney Vandersloot and Gabby Williams and Diamond Shields and Kalia Copper, those are the types of players that you want to go to war with, and that's what the Sky have done consistently this year. They've been able to pull out those ugly wins, which I think is a team that is rebuilding, a team that is not necessarily elite, or at the very least isn't sustainably elite. They'll have those stretches, as I said, but they're not going to do that night in, night out. They're not going to be able to do that four quarters for every game of the season. But to be able to pull out those ugly wins, they've put themselves consistently in positions to grab wins. 
And if you want to make the playoffs as a seventh seed or as an eighth seed, as a sixth seed, you have to be able to do that. You have to win ugly. And the Sky have become really good at winning ugly. And a big part of that ability to win ugly, of that ability to stay in games, has been the bench. And it's been their athletic defense. It's It's been something we've talked about for a lot of the season, especially when the Sky really started to get into a bit of a groove. A lot of that was due to some of the performances from their bench. And when I say bench, I'm mostly referring to Cheyenne Parker, Kalia Copper, and Gabby Williams, just because they form the the bulk of the minutes that the bench plays. And when you look at those three players, offensively, it's not always consistent. Kalia Copper has been awesome as of late, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But Cheyenne Parker has up and down nights on offense. Gabby Williams as well has had some has had some bad stretches on offense. And we're going to talk about some of the some of the reasons I think that is and her role within the offense later. But those three, regardless of their offensive contributions, you know, they're always going to bring it on defense and they're always going to play really tough and physical defense. And Gabby Williams and Kalia Copper are just absolute terrors on the perimeter. Kalia Copper in particular is just a nightmare to play against on the perimeter. The angles she uses when she's defending are just so excellent. Her footwork is usually impeccable. And even when she gets beat, she has the athleticism to recover, and you can tell the ball handler feels Copper on their hip. You know, Copper doesn't fill up the stat sheet in terms of steals or blocks, um, and she plays 16 minutes a game, which which is enough where you would expect those numbers to maybe be a little higher. But I do think, based solely on the eye test, a lot of that has to do with she's not a big gambler. She really just tries to stay in front of her assignment, and she's usually really good at staying on her feet. And so I think for her, I like that a lot. You know, I can live without her getting a ton of steals that I, I do think she could get. I do think she could afford to gamble a little bit more. She's such a smart defensive player that I do think that's something that she could work on perhaps in another season. But as far as blocks go, I, I really think it's just a testament to how sound of a defender she is. I think when you consider how much other players on the team do gamble, I know Courtney Vandersloot likes to gamble. Gabby Williams and Diamond Shields will definitely gamble. I think it's really nice to have Kalia Copper, who is just this steadying force when she's on the ball, this steadying force when she's covering people in the pick and roll. It's, it's really nice for the sky to have off of the bench. And then Cheyenne Parker, I won't go into this too much because I've talked about it on the podcast and I've, I've written an article about it earlier in the year. But again, she has so much potential to be a legitimate rim protector in this league. Her athleticism and length is just off the charts. But also, she has shown that potential to step out in the perimeter. She can't do it consistently. She's not going to be able to do it all the time. But you don't feel terrible when she gets drawn out there by a smaller player. And I do think her pick and roll defense can improve, but I think she's gotten a good grasp on it and how to use her athleticism to recover in the pick and roll, even if she is a little bit out of position at times. Now, I don't think that she is necessarily the answer right now to the sky's rim protection. I think she could be in the future. I I would be very surprised if she wasn't a full-time starter at some point in her career, whether it's with the sky or another team. I, I definitely think that's in her future. But for this year, what she does provide for you is a different look. She's such a different defensive player than Stephanie Dolson. 
or Jantel Lavender. She is so much more athletic than both of them, and I do think she's much better at using her length to alter shots. And so, at the very least, she's kind of that perfect pairing with them off the bench because she can kind of complement either of those players in her own way, depending on the matchup. Now, going back to Kalia Copper, I just want to say how impressive she has been during this stretch and how impressive she's been the whole season. Her defense has been there since day one. I think that was never in question. Like She has just been such a solid perimeter defender the whole way through. But offensively, there was a ton of consistency. She had 10 games where she was under double digits, which is not surprising as for a bench player, especially somebody that wasn't necessarily expecting a ton of offense from, but her shooting was really hit or miss depending on the night, mostly miss until late June. And then this stretch in July where she has just been great. She dropped 12, 11 and 16 and then nine points, two games in a row. And then a, you know, a quiet six point game against Dallas. And then she had another solid 10 points this morning against Atlanta on five of eight shooting. And I think the underrated part of all this is a lot of the shots she's taking are, are difficult. This isn't a role player just stepping in, hitting spot-up jumpers, hitting easy looks off the cut when she's facing bench players. This is a player coming off the bench and scoring in isolation, scoring off the dribble, creating her own shot. Yes, she is an excellent spot-up shooter. She's great in transition. But what I've been most impressed with is how good of a ball handler she has been in the pick and roll. And she's done it a fair amount. She gets about a fourth of her points as the pick and roll ball handler per synergy. And her efficiency in the pick and roll is in the 91st percentile. I mean, she has just been so good scoring in the pick and roll. And while she's not picking apart defenses with her passing in the pick and roll, she's still efficient enough in that regard where it is passable. And really with the sky, the biggest thing that Copper contributes is that when Courtney Vandersloot sits, they have another player who can still get their own offense, who can still generate offense, period. Because they don't have a ton of players that can do that. Diamond can obviously do that in a pinch. She can do that any day of the week. Courtney Vandersloot obviously is the engine of the offense. She's the one who generates nearly all the offense. But other than that, Ellie Quigley hasn't really been able to generate her own offense quite the way I think many expected her to this season. And then you talk about Gabby Williams as the backup point guard. Hasn't been great creating for others or really creating her own shot. I think Stephanie Dolson and Jantel Lavender have shown moments where, where they can score, but they do need the ball kind of kind of fed to them. I think Stephanie fares a lot better in terms of creation. And I mentioned this on Twitter that I do think it would be interesting if more of the offense ran through Stephanie off the bench and just see if they can kind of jog a little more consistent production out of her because Stephanie within the context of the season has been a really positive contributor for the sky I think she's been really important for this team but it does kind of feel like there's still more that could be had I still see her pass up way too many open threes when I do think she needs to just pull the trigger because oftentimes the pass that she's throwing doesn't necessarily lead to a better look and I'd rather just see her shoot that but it would be interesting to see what she could do if she was kind of put as the focal point of the offense, you know, with bench players. And so really Kalia Copper's emergence has been so important because it has kind of provided 
another creator for this guy. Like I said, she's not necessarily a creator in the sense that she's going to create a ton for others, but she can create for herself. And that's arguably the most valuable skill in basketball, being able to get a bucket by yourself or in the pick and roll, but you're the one with the ball in your hands. You're the one in charge. And Kalia Copper has proven an ability to do that this season. And it's funny. I think I'm going to write an article about this because it's kind of just struck me, but Kalia Copper and Diamond Shields feel like such similar players. Kalia is obviously a little more senior than Diamond at this point in terms of how long they've been in the league, but their games are very similar. It's, it's very bent on kind of creating these, these tough looks off the bounce with the ball in their hands, getting to the rim, having most of their open looks coming from three-point land. I think it is really interesting that they are almost mirror images of each other. Obviously, Kalia comes at a much lower volume and uh, fewer minutes, but I think defensively in terms of how tenacious they are and how good they can be on ball, although I do think Kalia just coming off the bench has a little more of an ability to be locked in every single possession, whereas Diamond carries a bit of a heavier load. But I, I think I think the similarities are, are really interesting. For reference, Kalia Copper has a usage percentage of 24%, and Diamond has a usage percentage of 26%, borderline 27%. So even just on that front, you can kind of see a bit of the similarities and how important they are to the offense and to the offense's volume when they're on the floor. And again, Copper is on the floor a lot less than Diamond is, but when you watch both of them play, the way they play is so similar and how important they are and how important they are to the offense in that given moment is also so similar that it's hard not to draw that comparison. And it has been a really welcome surprise for the sky when you consider that, like I said early on, Kalia Copper kind of just seemed like a really high-end defensive role player. Somebody who had those nights where she really looked good on offense, but as of late, she has looked more consistent, and she has looked like more of a go-to player off the bench. And in that realm of creation and just what contributions players can bring off the bench, I think that Gabby Williams is another interesting player to look at. I think with Gabby, again, the defensive ability is definitely there. I think she has taken a bit of a step back defensively this year. I think she too often just gets beat off the dribble or gets caught sleeping, misses rotations, things like that. Things that are common for younger players to do. Things that are common for most players to do. Again, player like Kalia Copper is, is the exception to the rule. And so I do think Gabby is still a, a positive defender to have on the team. But offensively, I think that she's just still figuring it out. And I, I don't know if she can figure that out this season because I think the biggest thing for Gabby to kind of take that next step on offense is to get a jump shot and to become a consistent jump shooter. Because at this point, defenses kind of know how to play her. I think she still has the athleticism to blow by her defender in the pick and roll and be productive there. But at this point, she really can't take people one-on-one -on -one off the dribble. She can't really create a ton for herself if she's not operating in the pick and roll. And I think a lot of that limited effectiveness just comes down to her jump shooting. This is, again, per synergy, but she ranks in the bottom 10% on jump shots. She's only making 24% of her jumpers. 
She hasn't been a threat at all on catch and shoot attempts. And I think until she can do that, it's really going to limit the rest of her game because defenses can kind of sag off her. They can, they can help on other players. They can help when Diamond drives in the lane, when Vandersloot drives in the lane, because they know that she's not going to be able to make them pay at this stage of her career. And I think a lot of that ends up limiting her cutting opportunities. It limits her ability to get the ball and get to the rim, which, you know, she's an average finisher this year at the rim. But I just think overall, without a jump shot, it puts a ceiling on who she can be as a player. She's a really solid player in transition. She's really good when she's cutting to the rim, but she just doesn't get enough of those opportunities because teams know how to play her off the ball and transition opportunities are hard to generate, even with the sky's fast-paced offense. When a defense can slow them down or get to a late-game situation, it makes Gabby a lot less playable. And I think a lot has been made of her playmaking and her ability to pass. Uh, it, you know, It's been something that I've talked about in the past. And at UConn, she did demonstrate that ability to pass the ball around, to distribute. But I think a lot of that was that defenses had to respect her a lot more than they do in the WNBA. They had to collapse on her. But without a jump shot and without her just able to get to the rim at will, defenses don't have to play her the same way. So I do think that that playmaking is there. It's it's in her. I think she just needs a jump shot or a, a better handle to get to the rim to be able to unlock that. And if she had either of those, she'd be an ideal player to back up Vandersloot. She'd be an ideal player to have on the sky because she would just be a lot more versatile in their lineups. But this season, it feels like she has kind of just been relegated to an energy defensive specialist off the bench. In the future, I do think that that jump shot, even if it's just average or slightly below average, will be so key for her development. Because at this point in the game, I think you have to hope that she can become a 3 and D type player that can give you really good perimeter defense, can, can guard one through four depending on the matchup, which is super valuable, but then on offense can be somebody who lets Diamond to Shields or Courtney Vandersloot do their thing and is able to spot up around the perimeter and hit those shots because she hasn't been able to do that this season and she's tried to figure out different ways to score. They've put her in different positions, but it just hasn't stuck as of yet. Now, again, that's a lot of negativity, but you know, keep in mind, Gabby is super young. This is literally her second year in the league and her first year with Coach Wade. She's had three different coaches in the past three years. So I think it's important that we give her that time because as we've seen with other players, it can take time for players coming out of college that were elite in college to really be able to contribute in the WNBA. It's a hard league to play in. And the fact that she is getting as many minutes as she is is a testament to how hard she has worked. But I just think without a jump shot, her effectiveness is absolutely limited this season. And so moving forward, that is something I would love to see her work on. I would love to see her be able to get a jumper that can at least force defenses to consistently close out on her and have to at least keep a rope tied to her when they're defending. Now, I do think a lot of this issue is exacerbated by the fact that she is being forced to play point guard for stretches, which could change with Jameer Faulkner's return, who we're going to touch upon in a little bit. But even if she was playing the four or the three more consistently, which I know she likes playing those positions more than she does the one, I know she's more comfortable 
in those post positions. But the fact is, within this guy offense, that's a shot she's she's going to have to hit at some point to really let this offense be unlocked off the bench. And, and hopefully a starter down the line, which I know is what the organization hoped for when, when they drafted her to have her start at some point to be a major key in this team's success. But with the way the Sky's roster is built right now and with Williams' limitations on offense because of her lack of jumper and her handle, which is, is still developing... I I do think that role is going to stay limited. Not that that was necessarily in question, but I just did think it was an important point to bring up because we have seen her struggle in some games as of late, and I do think a lot of it just boils down to her jumper and the way defenses guard her because she can't shoot it. And obviously we talked about Jameera Faulkner, and I want to just touch upon her return a little bit. She obviously made her return to the sky very recently and played her, her first real significant minutes in this morning's game and she has had such a long road to come back here and I mean the rest of the team just couldn't talk enough about how much it meant to them to have her return and play really significant minutes in the clutch in a really important game for the sky at home and so I thought that was just really cool to see she definitely looked rusty at times as you would expect from a player who's been out of commission as long as she has you know, on defense, she had, she looked like she was a little lost at times, but you could definitely see the positive contributions that she could bring to this team down the line. How quick she is, how fast she can run the floor, how active she looks on offense. I really think that's going to be a positive option for the Sky to look for this season. And even if she's not playing super significant minutes down the stretch of the season, because, you know, maybe the Sky want to ease her back in through the games obviously she probably wants to dive right back in after working so hard to get back to this point to play minutes but depending on how she comes back and how that rush shakes out we'll see how big her role can get but it was just really exciting to see her play again and really exciting to see her flash what we'll be seeing in a couple weeks on hopefully a consistent basis the two other players that I want to talk about today are obviously Allie Quigley and Diamond to Shields now, with Allie Quigley, this is, again, it's been a talking point all season. Her consistency and her contributions to the team. It's something, again, she's talked about at length. Coach Wade has talked about at length. Teammates have talked about at length. And just getting her comfortable and getting her more shots. It, it's been a point of discussion all year. I've been a little out of the loop in terms of online discussion goes, but it was obviously a big point of discussion on Twitter, and it was another big point in today's game. I spoke on Twitter a little bit with Eric Nemchak of Hashtag Basketball, and apologies if I just butchered your name, as well as Snap Wilson on Twitter. And and Eric brought up that Allie Quigley has an effective field goal percentage of just under 64%, but her usage percentage is 16%, which, again, it's for an elite spot-up shooter that's that's fine. Like That's exactly what you want. For the DeAndre Jordans of the world, whose specialty is rim running, that's totally fine. But for Allie Quigley, who is such a good shooter and such a good shooter off the bounce, can shoot off the dribble, can operate in the pick and roll, that's just too low. You know, it's great to see how efficient she has been this year. She's been a flamethrower from all over the floor. But that also means that she's being really selective in her shots. And she's only getting shots that are good looks within the Sky's offense, but she's just not getting enough. 
I'm fine if those percentages go down if it means she's shooting more because Allie Quigley shooting a lot more at slightly lower percentages or even decently lower percentages is still one of the most efficient players in the game. It's awesome that she is so efficient this year and that her percentages are off the charts, but you still want her shooting more. You still want her being more involved in the sky's offense because so often she's just kind of being put into the corner or being put a little bit above the break and, you know, just waiting for a kickout. But defenses aren't stupid. They know that Allie Quigley can shoot from anywhere on the planet. They're not going to sag off of her unless it's absolutely necessary or it's just a blown defensive assignment. And so, yes, it's it's good to have her, you know, sitting there readying for a catch-and-shoot attempt when Diamond to Shields or Courtney Vandersloot drive into the lane or Stephanie Dolson is operating in the post. It's great in theory to have her there, but it's not great if her defender is just standing there with, with their hand on her hip and she's not going to be able to do anything when she gets the ball. That doesn't do anything for the sky's offense. And so, and this was something that snap Wilson had brought up a couple days ago that had brought it to my attention that they had said it, but you just, you would like to see Wade run her through so many more screens than he is right now. And I know the emphasis when when I've talked to him about this and when he has answered questions about this, the emphasis in terms of offensive game plan is to keep things simple. He likes to keep things simple, and whether or not that's just a this season, you know, laying the blueprint, laying the foundation type of thing, or it's just a thing going forward, but he likes to keep things simple. He likes the offense to run organically. He likes to give his players a lot of freedom to do things creatively, which I can completely appreciate and completely understand. But with Quigley, with with her volume being such a problem all season. And again, how big of a problem it is, is obviously up for debate because she still affects the game through her gravity and the sky have still found a good measure of success. But with it being at least an issue this season, I would like to see her just running off ball a lot more. When you talk about the greatest shooters in the game, a lot of times they're they're constantly relocating themselves. They're running through screens on the opposite side of the ball, getting themselves in the position, and that's just not something that we've seen Allie Quigley do this year or been you know employed to do. And I don't know if it's necessarily. I don't think that it's her just sitting herself in the corner. I think it's just a function of the way the sky's offense operates right now. I really don't think this is Allie Quigley saying, oh, well, like, I don't want to run off screens. I don't want to tire myself out. That just doesn't seem the type of thing that she would do. I just don't think that with the way the sky's offense functions in terms of it's a lot of ball screen action and then trying to create offense from there. I think just because it functions like that and there's not a ton of motion when they're caught in the half court. I think that has limited the off ball creativity for a player like Ali Quigley. Now for a lot of other players, that's totally fine because they like to operate in the pick and roll. And like I said, Ali Quigley is definitely capable of that. And that might be something to explore a little more. But I think when you have a shooter as good as Ali Quigley, who has as much potential as Ali Quigley, and you've, you've had her say it herself that she's felt less aggressive this season and it's been a big point of emphasis to try to motivate her to get more shots up to be more aggressive I think when you have that issue you you've got to try to do a little more off-ball stuff and I don't know again it might be something that Wade is hesitant to implement this far into the season whether it's a significant enough thing to implement to possibly throw off the offense but 
I think you just have to. I, I really do. I think the sky just have a nuclear warhead in their backyard right now, and they're just trying to figure out how to get the launch codes. It's there. It's ready for takeoff. They just have to figure out how to unlock it. And I think the easiest way to get to that point is running her off ball, running her through screens. I think it's worth going through the growing pains of implementing more off ball screens and weak side screens. Could send the sky into the next tier of teams. I think it could really propel them forward as a team. And we've seen it at points. We've seen James Wade use elevator screens when Quigley was either hot or when she was really out of the flow of the offense. We've seen him draw up plays to get her looks. I would just like to see that implemented more into the foundation of the offense. And I think that's something that could benefit players like Vandersloot, players like the Shields, players like Copper. I think that could open up their games more and and really make them less ball-dominant players and give them a little more chance to work off-ball. But with Quigley specifically, I think that's something you just have to do. And another player who I find incredibly interesting to watch but also frustrating at times is Diamond to Shields. I think with Diamond, the big thing, obviously, is consistency. Not to say when she's bad that she's a big detriment to this team. I do think she still brings a ton of value, especially with her defense and her ability to draw defenders in for easy kickouts, although her playmaking has been hit or miss this year. But the big issue with Diamond is, you know, you look down her game logs and the point production is just all over the place. There's some seven-point games, some eight-point games, quite a few 10, 11 point games. And then you have mixed in there these 22 point games, these 26 point outbursts, these 20 plus point games that are just awesome to watch. And she's just locked in. And really it's not a super difficult question to answer. I think the Allie Quigley question is maybe a little harder with diamond. I think a lot of it is just shot selection. You look at her shot profile and it's a lot of shots off the dribble It's a lot of her taking two steps inside the three-point line and then pulling up from mid-range. And those things can definitely be frustrating because, and this is another thing that we've talked about in the past and has been kind of beaten into the ground, but Diamond's athleticism just allows her to get to the rim when she wants to. Her ability to run in the pick and roll is so good, and I just want to see the sky abuse that over and over again and just really let her work. And I think... The game against the Atlanta Dream this morning was such a perfect representation of where I want to see her take her game. She scored 22 points on 10 shots. She was 5 of 10 from the field, 2 of 5 from 3, and took 13 free throws. I mean, if that isn't the ideal Diamond to Shield game, I don't know what is. Just to see her consistently attack the rim and get those calls that I know she can get night in, night out, if she just would commit to attacking the rim on a consistent basis, getting those calls, it was was very gratifying because I think that is the way that her game is going to move towards in the future. Now, don't get me wrong. The pull-up mid-range game has its place. I don't want to completely push that out, especially for all the old heads listening who love the mid-range. That is still a part of her game and should always still be a part of her game. I think that she can be a good enough isolation scorer where that's worth it, where that's a viable part of her game in terms of how she can pick apart defenses and force them to be honest because she can score from everywhere on the floor. I just want to I want to put that out there before I get any angry angry DMs flooding in. But 
I do think getting to the rim, getting to the line, and then opening up the floor for her to get open threes should be the number one priority for her. I think she relies on that mid-range jumper too much, and that's been the biggest root of inconsistency for her thus far. You know, you look at those games when she has an off night, it's because she's 4 of 13 from the field. She's 3 of 15 from the field. And because she's not going to the rim consistently enough, if she misses a couple layups, it really just tanks her production within the flow of the offense. And she's obviously not the best distributor yet. And so I think figuring out her shot profile will be the biggest step she can make this season. And that's that's the good thing. This isn't this isn't telling Diamond that she has to fix her jump shot midseason or learn how to become an elite distributor. She really just has to focus on the types of shots she's taking. And I do think that could completely reorient herself and this team. Now, that being said, she's still an all-star. She still has those amazing nights where everything's going in. She can hit from anywhere on the floor. Those mid-rangers are going in, and suddenly defenses are completely out of options in terms of how to defend her. And those nights, she's deadly. But it's hard to have those types of games night in, night out when you're relying on mid-range production, especially when you're this young. And so with Diamond, it's not something I'm super worried about. Again, she is a second-year player, and it's something we talked a little bit about in the last podcast where rather than just appreciating how far she's come in those two years, we kind of have to put it in this frame of reference of, okay, the team's going to make the playoffs, and when they get to the playoffs, how are they going to play? And so Diamond's obviously at the focal point of that conversation and but it is a valid concern within the context of the season so hopefully that's something that James Wade can address with her or is addressing with her I thought that this morning's game was an excellent sign for her especially with how much she got to the line I would love to see more of that obviously it's not going to be 13 free throws every night but I would like to see her show some improvement in that regard Well, thank you for listening to episode six of the SkyCast right here on Locked On Women's Basketball and High Post Hoops. Again, my name is Nick Niendorf, and if you liked what you heard here today and want more coverage of the Chicago Sky, make sure you're following us at Locked On Women's Basketball and High Post Hoops. And if you want to support High Post Hoops coverage of women's basketball everywhere, make sure that you check out our Patreon. And if you're interested in having any comments or questions answered on the pod, make sure you shoot us an email at the skycastpodcast at gmail.com or send me a message on Twitter.